0: For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better. And I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. Welcome to Fertility Life, Rob, with me, Alice Rose. I am really delighted to have Jenny Wordsworth with me today. So Jenny is, the, well, she has the most amazing bio ever. So Jenny is a lawyer, first of all. She is the founder and CEO of Ovum, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in um, today's episode. And she's also an endurance athlete for the North Face. So welcome, Jenny.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alice. <laughs>
0: first of all I just love your bio I just really am excited to hear more about how you found yourself in all those different places but first Mm. of all can you just explain like how did you
1: end up in the fertility world? I ended up in the fertility world because I could not get pregnant (laughs) um I I'm sure this has been talked about before on this on this show but this idea in your head of this kind of perfect timeline um I grew up being told that I need to be this independent woman, need to have a career path, focus on that. Um, then you must focus on finding a partner, then you've got to focus on getting married, and then you have a baby after that. That is like the the messaging um, that I certainly received. And then when that doesn't happen, <laughs> I, I, I actually hate saying this, now because i sound so naive, but I, I truthfully believed that the first time I had unprotected sex, I would be pregnant. And then nine months later, I'd have um, a baby, I remember trying to think things through like, OK, well, then we did it this month then nine months should I have that baby. So are we going on holiday then? Or da, da, da. And it's just almost embarrassing to say things like that out loud now because it just doesn't happen like that for the majority of us. Um, and then I also felt like the a lot of it's to do with education growing up. So my education at school, and I know it's the same for a lot of women. Well, the messaging was do not touch a penis. Like whatever you do, stay away from them. <laughs> they only lead to bad things. <laughs> um, and then at the age of 35, and don't worry, I didn't wait that long to touch penis in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> is, is no judgment yeah. here, <laughs> safe space, safe space. Um is um I thought the kind of the inverse was true, that once I did have, you know, touch one, have objective sex, that I would have a baby. Um, I don't I don't even think that I knew about timing sex around ovulation. I really don't think I knew any of that. It was just because the messaging of school was you could never, uh, you know, never have objective sex. So the whole thing was a bit of a shock. And I feel like I then took this step into this new world Um, that is the trying to conceive community that I knew nothing about. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. it's it's not that straightforward and um I just got goosebumps (laughs) but it's like stepping into Instagram and reading so many people's stories and reading as many blogs as I could I remember saying to my husband like whoa 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 this doesn't just happen Mm. and I really thought it did I also felt um I'm very kind of focused on hard facts like data and hard facts and I couldn't really understand why the medical treatment of infertility was um you have to be trying for a certain amount of time and then we'll investigate. And so my brain doesn't really work like that. And I thought, well, no, surely it should be the other way around. Can't we do that at the beginning? Um, and there's lots of reasons that's it's not really viable with NHS. Can't we do that at the beginning? Because if there's something that is, you know, really going to completely prevent me from trying to conceive, surely I want to know now rather than trying for a year or six months or whatever it is based on your age. <clears throat> and so that, that really threw me, didn't love that. I actually got to the point of um, donating eggs. Because through this whole, yeah, through this whole journey of of finding out all about this whole world, um, I learned that there was a, a waiting list at the time. I don't know if there still is for um women looking to receive donated eggs in the UK. And I was like, why well, does no one know about this? And I I spoke to a couple of clinics, and they explained to me the process for for waiting for donated eggs. You're basically on this waiting list you get a call and I think you have something like, this might not be entirely correct, but basically like two days to say yes or no. Um, Very limited information about about the donor. And I was just like, this sounds horrific. You're literally just waiting. It really hit my husband and I just, that it just sounded like it's a horrific struggle. So um, we both had the genetic counseling and and I I went to donate eggs. Um, And yeah, my coping strategies at the time, especially around when we were trying to conceive were just inhaling all the information I could get my hands on. And my experience was, I really had a problem with how we were being marketed to. Um, So you're literally jumping and preying on my biggest vulnerability, my biggest fear is that I might not bring a baby home at the end of this. And Sorry, that was another lesson. It's not just I'm trying to get pregnant, I'm trying to bring a baby home, yeah. We I'm well known now that there's a big difference, which I just didn't appreciate before, I, before it happened to me. Uh, but I feel very protective of women going through this as a whole. And I felt very, very angry at how products in this space were being sold to me, how information was being sold to me. Um, and my two best friends um, are IVF doctors. So they were absolutely my first port of call. And the messaging was like, stay off Google, get away from that. Um, and actually, there weren't that many sources of information that you could say, yeah, this is accurate. Um, they're keeping themselves up to date. And like this safe space to just come and access information.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: my, my methodology, I guess, in life is to control the controllable. So what can I control? That I will deal with. Things I cannot control, I have to leave alone. So whether that's my IVF doctor, I trust them and let them crack on with, they decide what goes in my patient protocol. They decide when we're doing the egg collection, all those things. That's not my wheelhouse. And that's what I try to do. (laughs) 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 It's not, it's not perfect, but that was, um, and even now I hate saying this out loud as well, but um, it took us five months to conceive the first time around, which I now know is nothing. I didn't have any miscarriages. So I, I feel extremely fortunate, but at the time, those five months—I'm not going to lie—they felt like absolute hell.
0: I'm actually really grateful to you for, for saying that because actually, a lot of people come to me and they're like, "Oh God, I'm really like in hell right now," um, but I feel like I can't access support because I really haven't been trying, you know, that long um, mm. compared to whoever else. And actually, it's really not about that. It's really about, as you say, as soon as you decide that you want to bring a baby home. Why should we be comparing what we're going through with anyone else or what anyone else has experienced? Like for you at that point, what you found was that the information was, you know, crazy. The way that you're being sold things was totally wrong. And let's mm. talk about that. Really want to. It's really, really important to say, whatever stage you're at, whether you are literally in your first month, sometimes I have people coming to me and be like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to deal with this and and a lot of that actually also comes from there are so many tales of different stories out there that they then go into like a spiral so it's really yeah.
1: important to say like, it doesn't matter what stage you're at it's it's it can feel yeah. a lot i think it's also one of the very few things in life i struggle to think of other examples where you have no control over the outcome here i mean you, like i said control controllables you have some control but it's the first thing in life that i felt i experienced and we talk about that perfect timeline where but i've done everything you told me to do yeah. All the messaging I've received, I've done all of that. So why isn't there a baby? doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> so it's I'm very, happy. very hard to kind of relinquish all of that control um, and to just kind of, oh, well, what happens, happens. It's really, really hard mm. um, and compounded when you can't find this safe space to, well, for me, I it's all about science for me. That's like the legal brain. And then my husband's a doctor. So everything has to be like very factual. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's it. I, it really, it, what I find is that I have so many, um, quite a lot of kind of Taipei women who have been given this yes. narrative of like, this is what happens, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this is the timeline. You just work hard and you get what you want. And it is the first time where it doesn't happen like that and so a lot of you know I was the same really that I had to really learn that process of like relinquishing Mm -hmm. control and what that felt like and how you actually live through that and not feel wildly you know disconnected from yourself and your friends and family and just everything suddenly is tipped up on its head so yeah it's that it's that perfect timeline and recognizing oh i
1: can't it doesn't work like that anymore Mm. so at the time i was head of legal um for a very large renewable energy company in london i had taken a sabbatical so i was getting a year off to go and do my mba um and the mba started and it was week one of covid lockdown and they said look we're we're cancelling the mba because we don't know when we're going to be able to do this in person and i thought Oh God, I'm not, I'm not going back to work. <laughs> it's really hard to get a sabbatical. I'm not going back to that. Um, so I, I wrote a business plan, um, at the time, um, was when we were trying to conceive. So those, those five months I mentioned are trying to conceive and I was getting, we were going on our, do you remember when we were allowed, like an evening walk? I feel like there was a time where we did one walk a day or something like that. Uh, yeah. 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 Weird. <laughs> weird, weird time. That was so weird. Yeah. Um, so that 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 walk was basically me ranting at my husband about products in the space. So I'm talking about I'm talking about everything, um, pregnancy tests, um, all kind of legacy brands. You're like the, the big companies of this world, and um, your pregnancy cares, your Clear Blue's, those kind of big companies, and then the products they're selling. I just felt very very angry. Um, especially because being very fortunate, having these two best friends who are in IVF, them telling me that these products, oh my goodness, like, you know, none of it is very much backed in science. It's not, they're not paying attention to the latest scientific evidence. And it's so incredibly hard to get that scientific evidence, that high bar for female fertility. There's a lot more of it in male fertility, a lot more funding. So if you're getting this amazing, um, high quality scientific evidence, why is no one using it um, in the products that are available, aren't making use of that high level evidence? And that really annoyed me. And then the very fortunate thing at that time was my two best friends. um, Well, fortunate for for us, I guess, but not for others. IVF clinics were shut right at the beginning of COVID lockdown. And so for the first time ever, they weren't at work and neither was I. And we had lots of rants over Zoom. (laughs) Rants over Zoom and rants on the evening walk with my husband. And it started as I wanted to know from them what I could be taking to help my chances. Uh, Specifically at that time was just looking at... um, Uh, nutrition, uh, lifestyle changes, um, and uh, fertility supplements. And um, we did an an entire review over that summer and find that there was nothing available that actually um, directly translated to the scientific evidence available today. So a perfect example is we have some incredible um, high-level evidence, so talking like meta-analysis and randomized controlled trials about the benefits of CoQ10 for egg health cookie 10 amazing we should all be chugging cookie 10 <laughs> and uh, what i find in the products available were that they were maybe having they had a label on the front now with cookie 10 um because it's very fashionable um as more people are starting to learn about its benefits but they would include like a 10 to 12 percent dose of the actual dose we know could make a difference to your egg health that really annoyed me it's like okay so if i'm someone who is got the education i'm far enough down this line of trying to conceive that i've looked into this i've learned from somewhere i read it somewhere that cookie 10 tick should definitely be taking that so you pick up the product and you're like oh it's got the cookie 10 amazing job done by that um and you you might as well be having air um because we know the dose that makes the difference from the scientific studies so to not include 100 of that dose is just infuriating and you're making a mockery of my time and my whole experience through this and so, basically, the company I launched, Oven, um, was born out of anger.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, born out, born out of anger. I was so annoyed, um, and uh, yeah, I I I resigned from my job. Um, I was on sabbatical at the time, and decided to, to launch Oven. I gave birth to my first daughter a week before we launched Oven wow Um, so yeah um quite a lot of prep time and then we launched um first product was the the preconception supplement and that's now on um patient protocols in 14 IVF clinics and this is the thing the reason it's gone down so well with IVF clinics is number one it's safe and it's backed by a very high level of scientific evidence and that's all people want to know it's so refreshing to actually
0: because what i found that th- my brain works an entirely different way to yours, by the way, like this is why I-, <laughs> <laughs> I could never have been a lawyer, like, you know, anything that requires me to like really dial down into like minute detail, I I find quite like, challenging, like I'm a much better, like big picture kind of person. So I'm really, really grateful to people who, like you... <laughs> whose brains work and in such a different way to mine but who have the same end goal to make the world of fertility better and mm-hmm. you know what you've what you did by by bringing this and like by by kind of you know a lot of people will come into it and not not have that picture of like wait a minute this is this is not this isn't right like it's the way mm. no like and, and actually go but but not just think this isn't right and get like angry about it like i've done in the past but you know actually take it one step further or like a billion steps further and be like no no <laughs> we're gonna, like completely really rewrite this this needs to completely change um and starting with the actual issue which is that you know people aren't given the correct information but it's not even that they're not given the correct information as you say it's like they are being told somewhere along the line that coq10 is beneficial but then how they actually get that there's, there's that's that. where they're let
1: down yeah yeah and it's you know it applies not just it's anything you read about trying to conceive um and I feel incredibly protective of us going through this because you and I both know we would do anything if we thought it might help us conceive and I felt like companies preyed on that and I absolutely hated it I still hate it uh oh we don't do any paid marketing which is highly unusual for a startup like us. But the reason we don't is I haven't needed to so far because the product speaks for itself. If you have doctors independently recommending your product, that's it. That's all people need to know. I don't need to be ramming it down your throat. And I am very, very careful about marketing because I know how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing um, couple of years. We donate 20% of our profits, um, which... I personally love. That's one of the beautiful things about getting to start your own company is you get to make those decisions. And um, so that goes to fund. At the moment, it's funding two PhDs in female fertility research, which is amazing. We find um, PhD students who need funding for whatever it is they're looking at, and we we make donations to them. We're always looking for more. And um, it's actually really hard to find them. And um, trying to get better at that um, through our IVF client networks. But if anyone's listening and needs funding for their PhD, drop me an email. Um, And then we also want to fund um, any kind of fertility awareness campaign. So one we're looking at at the moment is, um, and this very much is personal to me, I talked about the don't touch a penis thing from school. We are having a a book um, made by an amazing author to help teach girls, teenage girls about their fertility. So I feel like the whole message of, you know, you're born with all the eggs you'll ever have, that I was never, ever, ever told that at school and that it declines with age, didn't know any of that. Um, and I think I'm a bit bitter about that. Um, I used to say, oh, it doesn't matter if I had known um, about fertility and declining with age. I still would have only met my husband when I met him, you know, so it wouldn't make any difference. And, and I, as time goes by, i realize that's just not true. If I had grown up having more of an awareness of fertility, combine that with um, support in the workplace to feel like I could take maternity leave and it wouldn't be the end of my career, which was not the messaging I got. I worked in a huge law firm. Things are very different now. Combine those two things. I think I definitely would have paid more attention to, ooh, um, someone I want to have a, a family with, and I, I think I would have done that younger. So I changed my mind on that, and I, I think, um, I think it's really important. So I'm very excited about that, um. And um we'll be doing a school tour, um, which I'll be leading, which will be a lot of fun. And the other thing, just um last week, I think we can officially say it now, <laughs> um, Ovum um secured it's called a PIFTIC certification. So the patient information forum.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, Congrats.
1: Yeah. Thanks. And so that that that's a big deal for a company like us. So normally Actually, one of our charity partners is Tommy's, um, and they gave us the idea because they also have this certification, um, Tommy's um charity, and that is that the the quality of the information you're producing, so for us, it's our blog, and um, written by our doctors, is at such a high standard that you get this um certification that says it's um it's suitable um information for for patients. Amazing. Um, it's a huge deal to get that, but that that goes back to wanting to create this safe space, you know, where you can yeah. read this. That's it. Wow, like come here, it's peaceful. Um, we launched our second product, which you know a lot about, because <laughs> yeah. you were heavily involved in our product development, and that's the thing. Everything we do, we want to include the community with us, because it makes no sense to not develop products. Yeah, with you, with, like with me, with us, with everyone. Um, because then we end up with something we all want and need, which is mm-hmm. amazing. So every our our ovum early detection pregnancy test we launched earlier this year; they're the most sensitive available on the market. And for me to bring that product, it was the most requested next product for Oven, like give give the Oven treatment to pregnancy tests. And I think a lot of that was that we talked about this that before, the trying to conceive community um, did an open letter uh, to um, a big pregnancy test brand in the space. And you know better than me from memory, but I think it was basically saying you're not paying any attention to us. You mm-hmm. just focus in all of your marketing on the, the positive outcome of this, which is getting pregnant, having a baby. Doesn't happen like that for me. And where is the subscription? Like I use so many tests each month. Where's where is the speaking to me? And I was very aware of that. And so for me to do things differently, I'm not just bringing a product into the world for the sake of it, to sit in landfill um, and not actually be useful for, for many people. So um, it had to be fully recyclable. That was my number one rule. <laughs> and that was super tricky, but we got there. So everything is recyclable. The wrapper that it comes in, a little desiccant pouch, the whole thing, all the use tests it had to focus on the woman who's trying to conceive and that is what open's all about. So that's easy. But we absolutely want to provide immediate help and support in that moment when you get a negative test result because it's the worst feeling in the world. I feel like no matter <clears throat> how many times, how many months have gone by where it hasn't worked, you still have this hope
0: mm-hmm. in that
1: immediate moment. I can say, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. And so- yeah doesn't matter what you've told yourself if you tell yourself like don't be silly it's not gonna happen this month it hasn't before it doesn't matter you still have that immediate moment where you're like oh my god this is gonna be it it's gonna be it and then it's a no and you literally feel like someone has just punched you in the stomach and you also feel embarrassed because you feel like a complete idiot for fooling yourself even though it wasn't for very long and some people might be for longer you know um that it was gonna gonna happen this month and so That to me had to be something that there was helpful, and that's where you came in. Yes, (laughs) by you offering that guided meditation to help in the event of a negative test result, that is easily the number one thing that people tell us has just made the world a difference to them. Um, (laughs) makes me a bit emotional thinking about it. But people are like, even if they might not be someone who would use that, it it hasn't mattered. It's the fact that you've noticed.
0: Hundred percent, and you know. It was really, really amazing actually, Jenny. When I remember I remember getting your email and being like, hey, you don't know us, but <laughs> we're <weird> people. <laughs> and and you know, we have such similar kind of thoughts around the industry, the fertility industry and the community. You know, this mm-hmm. is the thing. Like I was always, always community, community, community. Like this is so shit, like the way that people are marketed to the way the products are being sold exactly the same. And um, you know, my my response was to make my big campaign about think what not to say. Your response has been to go down this way. But to marry these two up was literally like such a dream so that I could actually mm. make sure that, you know, working with people like ovum who really get what we're going through and delivering immediate um support on the test boxes is, is the qr code to get a meditation from me which is that comfort and strength for a negative test and um i remember like feeling as angry as you did like when i was actually invited to a product launch for another well-known um test brand and just feeling just leaving it like raging because they had not noticed the community. And that's where, um, yeah, that whole dialogue kind of started with uh, a blog that I wrote. And then that was covered by something. And then um, it was Lauren, um, another member of the community who wrote this open letter. And then basically this big dialogue, you know, came up with this like, excuse me, we <laughs> are the number one. I can repeat customers we are the ones buying and buying and buying your bloody tests and that we yeah. are not represented in your marketing and there's no you know there's no recognition of what we're going through there's just nothing it's just uh, yeah I can feel myself getting irritated angry. <laughs> angry yeah because it just it's the same with with everything so yeah so, so when you guys contacted me and suggested this um incredible incredible idea it just it seemed to like things felt like they were slotting into place in terms of all of yeah. this stuff that I've been talking about for ages and, you know, trying to change in my own way. But then this is where the, the collaboration is just joyful because, you know, it's that whole two heads are better than one thing. And this way, what you have created in terms of, you know, the ethos behind your company and that safe space and that piftik and everything is just, it just makes me breathe out. Like the thought that there are people like you out there doing such a transformational, you know, overhaul of that corner of the fertility industry. Oh,
1: thank you. It hasn't always been easy, like even with the the pregnancy test launch. So um, the dream for that is for it to end up in retail. So big supermarkets in the UK and some discussions we had with other retailers, they almost didn't, couldn't really believe that, so, sorry, I don't think I mentioned, but there's four tests in each box. And again, that is to recognize that when you're trying to conceive, we get three more tests. So no other brand has four. They'll have two and very few have three, but it's mostly two. And I remember one of you just saying to us, oh, come on. You can't really, really expect us to to believe that people get through that many tests. It's like, yeah, but you have to give them proof. So we, um, we donate to several uh, miscarriage charities. So we just got some of the women who used their services as a charity to come in and chat with them. Um, and there was stories of one lady was like, you know, I don't love saying this out loud, but I use about 10 a month. I've had three losses and that is just how I, I deal. And that was really helpful. And actually, I am—I um, was saving this bit of news to tell you today, Alice. But we um, we launched, we found an incredible retailer. And i it's funny, I always knew that this retailer was going to be the one that got it. We launch in Sainsbury's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in um three. 300... An... Oh my yeah. God, in... I yeah. <laughs> I know because uh, just to explain, um, Alice and I have had lots of emails back and forth over this because I've been explaining how it's been tricky finding a retailer who kind of gets it. Yeah, so we launched in, in 350 stores in February. So it's happening incredibly quickly. Um, but it's it's really, really exciting. So a huge shout out to Sainsbury's. They've been on un- believable and so supportive they love everything the brand does and they are they are fully backed as I can't speak I, highly enough like, those experience.
0: oh like, <laughs> I feel it really that really has made my day honestly like I keep sharing that today with me oh my god that's just amazing and like mm. I think you know there's so much of this that I want to like go into as well like just on the personal level that kind of the vision that you have had and you've been so clear about it from the start you're like we are not cutting corners we are not manufacturing no. in you know factories that don't adhere to our standards we are not doing what everyone else in the industry is doing even if it doesn't Makes sense, you know, for whatever reason financially. Mm-hmm. Financially, but but what you're doing is
1: just totally um, <laughs> groundbreaking and amazing and yay! Oh, that's really thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um yeah it's been it's been crazy. The especially so right now at the moment we have been trying to conceive for a second time. Nothing happening for a year, and then diagnosed with secondary infertility, and then we had our egg retrieval in June, June July feels like a blur and the with cancel the first transfer because something was wrong can't remember what now <laughs> um and then so my my transfer is not happening on monday next monday
0: oh god so you're right in the yeah wow oh. yeah
1: yeah yeah it's very funny going through it the first time literally i didn't want anyone to know mm. this was not something i was talking about publicly and now you cannot shut me up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i relate to that lady yeah <laughs>
1: yeah um last week i was in so currently living in the us just for the next year and we're working on our third product and the regulatory approvals in the us are much stricter than the uk and so um i like getting approved here flew to the uk last week for work and um I had to bring progesterone oil shots with me and i just loved it <laughs> Telling anyone you'll listen, <laughs> yep, got to go home, got to gonna shoot myself in the bum and, and it's just, it's a very different experience for me now. And I've learned that letting, you'll know this, the more you tell people, the more you kind of get back. There's very, very few people who aren't affected by infertility and what I get back from having sharing and it's really helped me. It's also helped being so incredibly busy with the business. But yeah, that that's where we're at now. And I also, very interesting in the US, it is legal to have, to find out the gender of your embryos which is illegal in the uk and so they asked us if we'd like to know and at first we were a bit horrified like no i can't do that that's not allowed (laughs) (laughs) and and then that that became wait a minute we're only here for a year like maybe we should find out because we'd never be allowed to do this back home and so we said okay we want to know but um could you please um when we come to doing the, the embryo transfer, you just pick one at random. Like, we don't right. actually want to select a sex. We just want to know. They're like, yeah. yeah, no problem. But then they said, you know, there's nothing to choose from, really, because it's four four boys, four embryos, four boys. <laughs> and now I'm in this weird, and this, this I tell this story because it's like, we're always, always learning. So for me, I remember people talking about their embryos and storage and finding it hard to let go. I was like, I don't really get that. I would never say that out loud, but just, you know, deep in my own head, and now that we have these four embryos, and I know it's unlikely that that's going to lead to four live births, but now, especially now that I know there's four of them, and I know that they're, they're boys, I cannot believe how attached I am to them. Um, and then I remember seeing you on Instagram once lighting a candle when you were, you were mm-hmm. saying goodbye to your embryos in storage, is that, mm-hmm. and I like burst into tears, like I totally now understand it. It's really, really, really hard and that's something that I, I didn't think would be hard. So there's all we're always all learning, and um, and that just kind of helps hopefully improve the experience for for all of us.
0: It's a really layered experience on so many levels, and mm-hmm. you know to be experiencing it, whatever your journey is, like whatever whoever when you if you're listening to this, whatever stage you're at, just coming back to what you need each day is really what I teach in like all of my support and that's the life of our framework and that recognizing like we can't really understand like the different stages before we've been there ourselves so the whole like connection to you know frozen embryo thing like that is definitely something that I had not really heard much chat about and also you know for some it's going to be hard to hear because they may not have got to that stage or they might not have Mm -hmm. you know embryos frozen and it's it's so it's so layered and so nuanced for like each person but the more that we are able to kind of hear different people's way of getting through it and I want to ask you about that in a moment a bit more you know the more that we can kind of get inspiration from that but yeah it's that it's that recognition that like whatever you are going through is really valid and really important um I want to talk about the way that we do navigate stuff is so individual to like how our brains work and like how we process Mm -hmm. stuff. Talk to me about the endurance athlete thing because that is just (laughs)
1: this (laughs) is where we're going to really throw people. I'm
0: (laughs) so interested and I do you know what I'm interested in is like what part of you that like has found yourself in endurance athleticism um, what part of you kind of how does that also support your ability to navigate a fertility journey tell me about how you found uh, it, about
1: doing it first of all i had had a very large benign tumor removed from my ovary i had like four months of treatment to reduce it in size and it was still like the size of a grapefruit when it came out and apparently i was in hospital and i borrowed um my dad's ipad he went to get coffee and i signed up do a race called the Marathon de Sable, which is a seven day, very long running race across the Sahara desert. And you carry all your food and everything in your backpack. Big deal, big race. Wait, 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 I need to stop you. What made you sign up for that? I don't know because I was on morphine. <laughs> so this is why I say apparently, because I don't I don't remember any of this. Um my, my dad does and he came back from coffee. He's like, what are you doing? And apparently I was like, oh, I'll sign up to this thing. And he was a bit like, what is that? <laughs> Anyway, just just leave it alone. She's, you know, lofted a little bit, fine, go back to sleep. And forgot all about it. And then maybe four months later out of hospital, I was having Sunday lunch with my family. And my uh, phone goes off and I got an email saying, um, You're off the waiting list. Congratulations. There's a spot for you in the marathon de SAB. You just pay the deposit and it's yours. And I, for a split second, was like, but chunk mail. And then was like, oh, hold on. (laughs) There's something in the recesses of my mind. I remember doing this. And um, that was it. And I decided it was, I decided it was my way in hospital of looking forward. I didn't know that that tumor then was benign. I was still waiting for the results. And I think my brain was like, going forward, I'm going to be fine. I need something to look forward to. And I, I took it as a sign that I was meant to do this crazy race. I had like three months to prepare. People normally take a year. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I had no idea that I was quite good at running in extreme heat and uh, very far. Um, and <laughs> did you really did you really know um, like had you run marathons before? Like was it something I'd done, I think I'd done two marathons at like uni, yeah. Um always had a sporty background, basketball, netball, swimming, everything. Mm-hmm. But um, but nothing, nothing like this. And my family weren't that surprised. And I just I just did it. And I, I loved most of the people that I met. There's never any drama. They're, they're, they're incredible people in this community, much like the trying to conceive community. I'm sure there's a crossover. <laughs> um, and um, I had the time of my life. And so everything kind of grew from there. Um, I started running across more and more deserts, did really well in the races and got picked up for, for sponsorship. I then was invited to race in extreme cold. And I thought, no, gosh, I don't, I don't like being cold. I hate being cold. Can't do that. Um, and my friend was like, no, let's just do it. Come on. So I did. We did really well in that race. And I thought, oh, not bad at running in the cold uh, too. Yeah. That was in the Arctic. <laughs> and so right. I don't really know what what happened from there. But then um, I find myself, I made the decision that I was going to attempt to break the world record to ski solo, unsupported, so no outside help. Um, and unassisted, so um, with my own two feet, from the coastline of Antarctica to the South Pole, which I think is about just shy of 800 miles. And uh, the world record is 40, 44, 45 days. I can't remember now. And I did that and was medically evacuated halfway through with a bowel infection. It was very dramatic and flown back to the UK. I was very grumpy about that for for a week or two. I was fine. Um, and then I decided I was going again. And it's a, just to explain, it's a huge amount of work to get ready for an expedition like this. You've got to fundraise hundreds of thousands of pounds. You've got to find companies that are going to back you. All the training, the training is completely mad. You're skiing for basically 14 to 16 hours a day. So there's a lot going on you've got to get ready for. And so to come back from that failure, um, I, just, I just wanted to go and do it again. And at that time, I was so obsessed with just getting the world record. It's all that mattered to me. When I went back the second time, I really worked hard on reframing that to be like, look, it is a major achievement just to reach the side pole. Even getting to the start line is massive. And I never believed that. I thought, yeah, that's just what people say. But all I care about is a record, like it's very single minded. And the next time it wasn't about just getting the world record. It was about getting there and getting there safely. Halfway through, um, I am just over two days ahead of the world record. So the stars are just aligning. The weather's amazing. I'm doing really well. Like, boom, 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 let's go. It was very exciting. And then drama, (laughs) disaster strikes. (laughs) I had a condition in my leg. It's called polar thigh. I won't bore you with the details of it. There's photos of it on my Instagram. And don't look at it while you're eating. It is an open wound on the inside of my leg, my inner thigh. It's quite large. Um, it's basically a form of chill It's not quite frostbite, but that's kind of the easiest way of explaining it. And the whole thing broke open. And I, um, I made it to the South Pole, but I was basically just dragging my leg there. I still don't really know how I got there. Um, I think I've blanked a lot of it out. arrived at the South Pole, and until they could get me a flight back to the UK, the doctor there kept me extremely medicated on morphine, all the drugs you can think of, and lots of beer. And that's how I lived for about four or five days while I was waiting to go home. And I, and I know the reason is he didn't want me to realize the extent of my injury, because that is not the place to freak out about an injury. Um, they can't do anything about it there. Um, it clearly needed surgery. I, I didn't realize that. And yeah, I went back to the UK. The doctor that would normally operate on that kind of thing is my husband, and he didn't fancy operating on his wife. So <laughs> he got his colleague to do it, um, and I, I had two surgeries. And Yeah, my leg's fine. I'm, I think it means a huge scar, but to me, the scar looks like the outline of Antarctica, like a map. So they've offered to make the scar smaller, and I don't want them to because I'm like, Have you cut off my Antarctica. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm a bit strange. Anyway, but that 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 was that was that. I need to ask so many questions. Go on, you carry on. I bet i was gonna say so from that i've done a lot of mountaineering and um, i got signed with the north face and um the truth is i love being outdoors that fixes a lot of um a lot of everyday issues for me like problem i can't resolve that about you know how the egg retrieval went all these different things i got to be outside around trees whatever it is even if it's not for that long a walk that makes a lot of difference to me i appreciate you don't have to climb mountains ski to the south pole just to get outdoors but that, that's the kind of stuff I love um I definitely do a little bit less of it now because my ovum has very much replaced that for me and I'm I'm so in with ovum it's my entire world but I still like you know the, the, I went did a mountain bike race in Kyrgyzstan um last year so I, I love doing things like that but just less of them
0: yeah oh my god so many good stories I wonder like when you went back again I think it's just that part of you that clearly like um, is so goal orientated in terms of doing the Sahara uh, race. Is it Marathon de Saab? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting that world record, world record, but then recognizing that actually it wasn't the world record that was the thing and shifting yeah. goalposts and reframing it. For me, that's like an amazing analogy for the whole fertility, you know, getting mm. through the fertility journey, because for a lot of the women that I support, it's really around like, and it, it sounds impossible, but it's like having to shift from the outcome, having to be the, you know, bringing a baby home, which of course is what we all hope and that we're trying to get to. But at the same time, there has to be this, this shift from going, all right, well, I'm just gonna, this is my, this is my new goal this is my new kind of focus whatever it is that you decide is 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 important enough for you to get up every day and get to
1: how did you come to that reframe like how did you make that shift it was very very hard for someone like me you talked about like type a that's me to me it's like i put in the work never miss a training session do all the things i will get the new world record and that's not the case i hadn't appreciated the weather (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is complete it's minus 50 all these wins all these things i hadn't thought about what would happen if i got an injury what happened if my legs split open So reframing it from i don't care i genuinely don't care about the, the record to um just getting there is definitely the hardest thing i've done because it is not my personality and i i definitely have moments where i still think oh i think yeah you know, i want to do it again da, da, da. and i'm like nope stop nope it's very very hard how, how i did that was trying to say it out loud Actually, it was my husband who kept saying to me, like, you are literally insane if you think the only good outcome of this is for you to get a new world record. It needs to be just a cherry on top. The things that has helped me going through, you know, all the expeditions, of mountaineering, Antarctica, is I feel quite resilient as a person. Yeah. And so that is, that I hope I, you know, it has helped me in what we're going through at the moment. And, you know, the year we had of trying to conceive before we went to IVF. Um, but just because someone is a very resilient person it almost doesn't always apply when you're trying to conceive you're not this perfect human that is just like oh I'll remember I must be resilient and not be sad about that latest negative test result but I think what the resiliency gives me is the ability to kind of maybe process it a bit quicker hopefully and then move on to whatever's next it's always the control the controllables I have to trust in the people around me who i'm getting you are controlling the bits that i can't that's everything for me so i need to trust my doctor and for mm-hmm. me i need to know like have they read a latest paper on x um that's not the only way i check things but i just i just need to know that they are really invested in this too and genuinely care because i find some will keep up more to date than others i need to know that my whole world outside of what i control is being dealt with by you know the best of the best like all the training that I do I will make sure I show up to every single session never miss one I will make sure all the equipment I've got works in minus 50 all these things are on me but you have to accept that everything else like the crazy weather uh your leg um literally rotting (laughs) is not on me okay there's bad luck there's whatever and that helps me deal with the 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 bad news that then might be coming my way but doesn't mean it's always it's not this perfect solution to that um but I think it helps yeah and I also need to point out if you're listening thinking well I'm not very resilient or you don't get resiliency just by skiing to the south pole don't worry about that (laughs) and but I I do I I get asked a lot about how to build resiliency and for me it's just putting yourself in front of of things in daily life that are a little bit trickier than normal out of your comfort zone but that is infertility you're you're already in front of a difficult thing that's um, it,
0: and what you're saying there around, you know, the weather, it's it's the it is the perfect analogy. You know, we like my when I teach people my life raft framework, I'm like, you need to build your life raft. You literally have to imagine that you are going on this voyage, this fertility. Wow. Voyage you know, and you don't know what is coming, okay, you don't know whether you're going to get that weather. you don't know if the sea is going to be like a mill pond, or you're going to get the wind behind you, maybe, hopefully. But if a storm comes, or if the tidal wave comes, or whatever, if a shark suddenly comes, you don't know, like fertility is really unpredictable. And we cannot control that. So the only thing we can control, just like your expeditions, is like what goes in your life raft. And for me, that's absolutely I actually feel has to be the you know the, the highest priority because how are we supposed to get through all of the storms and the sharks and the tidal waves and all of that shit if we haven't prioritized what's in our life raft to, to start with um amazing
1: yeah I and hadn't it, realized it was so aligned like with what you just described about the filthy life raft it basically is that that expedition from the totally. coastline to the i thought yeah
0: it, wow it, it yeah. literally is and you know the, and i love the idea of it because it, it works on so many levels you know within like the membership that i have it's like we're all we're there together so you know you've got your yeah. crew, all of that stuff it's been so brilliant chatting to you i mean we know we've spoken a lot about all of the work that we're doing together and i'm like beyond mm. excited to hear what has been um going on like between our last conversation so that's super yeah exciting um wishing you all luck in the world for your personal fertility voyage at the moment I've I've started to say voyage like I've literally just started voyage. to use voyage because I it feel it's like...
1: very empowering to say well voyage. I the thing is I've I'm voyage.
0: About, oh yeah it is a voyage you know it's like you don't really quite know what you're going to find out there um yeah. I think the idea of being a voyager feels like you're on this kind of expedition and it goes with my boat thing so <laughs> <laughs> so on your voyage wishing you all the love remind me it's uh www.startwithovum isn't it.com mm-hmm. um to find your products which are so just built with this community in mind which is so exciting um and where can people follow you to hear more about your stuff oh so that's just at uh jenny dot wordsworth awesome yeah um see what next expedition you'll
1: be so i actually the next one is rowing um it'll either be the atlantic or the pacific and we're doing as a team of four women so if anyone's listening and thinks i quite fancy that we need two more women to join okay count me out but i'm really really (laughs) 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 waving the flag
0: So, anyone out there who wants to do that, cheer from the sidelines. That's so amazing, Jenny. (laughs) You're an inspiration. Thank you for chatting with you
1: on the show. thank Thank you.